How can you be part of a religious community that straight up denies Sometimes science it feels like the church is trying to hold The church seems to be stuck in their ways when the rest of the Why are they so obsessed with They keep trying to give answers, but they don't even know the questions we're asking. The church is the most vocal political voice against immigrants. Some churches still don't want to claim that worship was the actual how can your story be good when the majority of people on the church seems to be stuck in ways when the rest of the like, culture is how is that actually It seems like so much of the church is concerned with being a good anti-critical they are being homophobic, too narrow, judgmental, disconnected from what is truly happening in the real world. <sighs> the church needs therapy. Welcome to the newest episode of The Church Needs Therapy. What we're going to do for the next probably three to four weeks is I am going to do a teaching today. I don't know if you recognize that, but generally 50% of these are me doing some form of a teaching, just things I've been thinking about, things I've written about, things I've thought about that I think are helpful for our own individual journey towards wholeness. Sometimes I reflect on, you know, when it comes to the church needs therapy, I think about offering some sort of critique of the church in order to provide or imagine a different way forward. So I usually do something like that with my teaching. And then the other half of the episodes I do are interviews with people who I think have something of value, something unique, and something to contribute to the way forward for the church and as we think about the future of our faith. Last week, John Pavlovitz, man, that is a great guy. Actually, somebody hit me up soon after was like, man, I love the episode so much. I already pre-ordered his book. I love hearing those kinds of stories. John is an amazing person. And that episode was so good. You know, right before that, I had some of our best friends, Phil and Jen Wood on, who just launched their new podcast, Phil and Jen, the new events they're doing around Orange County, San Diego, and even one up uh, Northern California. And I have some great guests lined up, so I might have interviews for the next three to four. So I'm excited for all of you to hear the next voices I have on here. I have two interviews I'm doing this week for sure, trying to line up some more. So yeah, there's some good, good things ahead. I look forward to updating you with what's happening with the book. You know, I I already announced that I got a deal on that. So there's stages of editing, handing it off to editors, me getting the, me getting the manuscript back, me rewriting things, me giving it back to them. So I'm hoping that book will come out earlier 2022 than later. I don't know yet, but I will keep you updated as much as possible. Now, today I want to talk about peaks and paths. And this will make more sense as we go on. And I I think I don't have an actual title for this yet, but I think as I teach on this right now, by the end of this, I'm going to come up with a title for this when I actually post the episode. So let's start with this. There's a story about a kid who said he figured out the meaning of life while he was on LSD. LSD is another name for acid, if you've never heard of that before. So there's a story about this kid who, hold on, let me move something right here so I can get set up. 
There's a story about a kid who said that while he was on LSD, he discovered the meaning of life. So the next morning after doing it, he woke up and he shared this exciting and groundbreaking revelation with his friends. So naturally, they responded by eagerly asking him what was the real meaning of life since he discovered it. Then the kid thought for a second and said, I forgot. (laughs) And now the extremes of this story, the discovery of the meaning of life followed by the forgetting of what it was are what make the story hilarious and ridiculous. But packed into this compact little exchange between friends is a powerful message and truth about the nature of the spiritual quest. See, this story expresses how a spiritual experience doesn't always translate into a spiritual life. I'm going to say it again. This story expresses how a spiritual experience doesn't always translate into a spiritual life. See, we can have, sorry, I'm letting you in on a little secret. I'm banging the right side of my head towards my shoulder because I am coming from being at the beach for hours with my wife and kids and I have water stuck in my ear. So that is a little insight into what it's like to be a podcaster and live in Hawaii at the same time. But we can have a powerful experience of God and walk away without being transformed in a permanent way. We can be convinced that we have, that we truly have overcome something deep within, only to fall back into the same patterns within a week of the experience. Or like in this kid's, you know, in the case of this kid's story, we can discover the meaning of life and forget what it was the next morning. See, this can be frustrating and discouraging, and it can leave us feeling, you know, helpless in our pursuit of growth and change. It's like we've gotten a glimpse, but we can't seem to move closer to the goal. We have seen something true revealed, but we don't know how to translate the revealing into a lived and an embodied reality. It's like we have traveled to the top of the mountain and reached the peak that enabled us to see everything. But the peak was never meant to be the place where we were supposed to stay. See, in this particular experience shows up in many different forms, right? Sometimes when I am thinking about things like this, I can have this revelation or I'm just thinking about something I've you know, discovered a long time ago. And then I'll think to myself, this is what this looks like for Christians in our culture. And then this is what this looks like for people who have a more, you know, what would be commonly referred to as a new age form of spirituality or an interreligious form of spirituality. So people who may not identify with one tradition. So this experience shows up in many different forms. For some of you, you went to some big Christian conference, right? Think about those experiences in your life if you've had them. You heard all the inspiring speakers. You took rigorous notes on all the topics. And during that one moment, during that time, that special time of worship, 
you stretched your hands as high as you could, and with tears streaming down your face, you knew God was with you, you knew you could overcome the past, and you believed things would be completely different in the future. But by next Friday, things were the same. Or for other people, you went on your pilgrimage to Burning Man. You went to Joshua Tree and ate some mushrooms with friends. You did some ayahuasca ceremony. You did some crystal healing event. And through experiences like this, you believed you were born again. And after this experience, you were completely inspired to live differently as a result. But by the next Friday, things were the same. So what do we usually do in these moments? We go back. We go back and try to recreate the environment, believing another intense experience is going to be the key for our transformation and for a more liberated future. We go to another Christian conference. We go to another deliverance night. We do the next 21-day fast. We raise our hands even higher next time. We shed tears with even more desperation. It's like we're hoping and praying that somehow this next peak experience of God is going to be the final piece that makes the puzzle of our life fit together. This can become a cycle. Or we go back to Burning Man. We go on another psychedelic trip. We visit a different psychic. We start doing sound baths instead of sensory deprivation tanks. Secretly trying, sometimes I think it's like a part of us is secretly trying to make the perfect spiritual cocktail that is going to bring the stability and peace we need for our life. This can also become a cycle. So there's a story about this little girl who was scared of the dark because she believed there was a monster who would appear in the corner of her room whenever the lights would go out. She would lay in her bed and with this silent anxiety and paralyzing fear until she would finally scream for her dad to come into the room. And each time the dad would come in, he would flip on the lights. She would see that there was no monster in her room. And then as her dad sat next to her, she would slowly go back to sleep. She would do this night after night after night. Of course, there's this great sense of comfort and immediate relief of fear whenever the dad comes in and turns the lights on. Each time this happens, the young girl is temporarily convinced that there is no monster, which then alleviates her fear and eventually enables her to go back to sleep the rest of the night. And while the momentary peace is great... The real issue for the girl becoming free from fear and anxiety is not how quickly her dad can run in to turn on the light. It's actually about her learning to trust that she's safe even while she's in the dark. What she sees in the light needs to become what she trusts in the dark. The truth of what she saw needs to be transformed into the truth of what she lives, which is her knowing there is no monster. This dynamic speaks to the heart of the relationship between peak spiritual experiences and learning to live a spiritual or a liberated life. 
perhaps I can say it like this. The peak needs to become a path. The vision needs to be transformed into values. And the spiritual high needs to turn into solid ground. Each time we go back to recreate the powerful experience we had, manufacture another God experience in order to feel something, or it's like we're calling dad in to flip the light switch back on. And whenever we do that, we're going backwards. The spectacular event is a glimpse, not the goal. It's the revealing, not the reality. It's the peak that enables us to see it's not the place where we were supposed to stay. See, and in the midst of this tension between the peak and the path, we are better positioned to hear the words of the great living mystic Cynthia Bourgeau when she says that faith is, quote, not just admiring Jesus, but acquiring his consciousness. Here, here is where we have the best chance to see how central contemplation and meditation is for a life that can, that can transition between believing in Jesus to becoming in and like Christ. See, this is why I would say this. Contemplation is the practice field where that temporary space becomes your permanent face. Contemplation is the practice field where that temporary space becomes your permanent face, where what you see, feel, and experience and believe in that temporary space, that mountaintop experience, that peak spiritual experience, that moment where everything makes sense and it's okay, but afterwards, contemplation is where what you see in that temporary space becomes the truth of your permanent face. It is in this wide open, spacious, attentive, and unhurried presence of contemplation where we can move from believing to becoming, from learning to living, and from experiencing to embodying. In this translucent space of silence, we directly realize we do not need to flip the light switch on again to see what we've already seen. But rather, we need to sit in the space of the subtle light of the Spirit and learn to trust the new world the light has already shown. In the quiet sanctuary of our own presence, we know we do not need to return to the mountaintop to listen to the voice of God booming again from the heavens. We need to remember what God has already spoken and practice hearing the truth of these words from our own heart. In the unhurried movement of being still, we do not need to synthetically manufacture another explosive God experience so we can powerfully feel God's presence. What we need is to stay still long enough so that even the most subtle touch of the spirit becomes a felt invitation into a new future and a further unfolding of our life. Without contemplation, even our most powerful experiences of God will never turn into a peaceful life in God.